bring out the gimp. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. You gotta go, you gotta go. No one gets it. Am I still to create the perfect system? You take drugs, Danny? Yeah. Good. You taking the fucking piss? Staring at the wall. Cocksucker. Not seeing the wall. Take this fucking Looking past the wall. Nobody trusts anybody now. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. A man should have a hobby. Are you a big Scorsese fan? I am. Like, how big of a Scorsese fan are you? I would say Scorsese is one of the pivotal filmmakers in my young film-loving upbringing. Yeah. I would say it was Spielberg, Scorsese, Tarantino and Nolan and I know those are like the biggest names but they're the best yeah but when but, you have such a massive impact on cinema mm-hmm. like yeah I was pretty big on I don't need an artsy answer no, from you, yeah. exactly I was pretty big on Scorsese's uh, mob movies I was mm-hmm. I had a gangster mobster mafia phase for a while mm-hmm. so Goodfellas yeah uh, Casino I thought was okay Taxi Driver was awesome not a, I wasn't a huge fan of Raging Bull. I thought it was just very yelly. Uh, gosh, I'm kind of blanking on some of it. Oh, Wolf of Wall Street obviously was was a big thing around our youth. Yeah. Our like high school youth. What was that? Junior high or high school? I don't know. Something like that. Good time to watch that Wolf movie. Wolf of Wall Street was yeah high school Depotted. for me. Yeah. Depotted was ugh, just beautiful. I watched that movie just on loop through really? college. Really? Like I would wa- I would turn that on while I would like study and like just do shit. Which is so crazy because he says how dark this is for him to like yeah. create a movie. Mm-hmm. And being a Scorsese fan and having like the love for the other movies, like how do you feel that this is the movie he got his Oscar for? Like this is the one he got his best yeah. director for out of all of them because I'm a big goodfellas uh movie guy i love wolf of wall street like mm-hmm. shutter i feel like we're island. missing one yeah shutter island's good um taxi driver yeah it's like i don't know i feel like this you know? is you know how leo won the Oscar for Revenant, but it's more like he won an Oscar for all of his past performances. Yeah. I feel like it's like a makeup Oscar kind of in a way. I yeah. feel like Departed isn't necessarily that, but it's kind of like the oh, this was a this was such a good movie, but how is it? How is he gonna top this? So I yeah. feel like we might as well just give it to him. But I mean, he still kept making movies. Like it's so like I'm not saying that Shutter Island should have been no an, an Oscar worthy movie. Do but you it's think a good this? Movie. Do you think this was a little bit of a stretch as an Oscar winner? Is that what you're getting at? I think so. I I have a hot take for you. I also feel. Hold on. I feel. Yeah. I feel. This was a little bit of like a makeup winner. Do like Taxi Driver. Or, they I wouldn't can't believe him. he didn't. Like it wasn't. I just feel like that was too young in his career, Goodfellas? which doesn't. Necess- How did Goodfellas not win? Like where where are we for that? You know what I mean. Who won instead of Goodfellas? Dances with Wolves. <sighs> Damn it! Yeah, no, that's a really good movie. I mean, like, you got to consider like the social impact that movie has compared to Goodfellas. 
Also, you got to think about what other movies were nominated at the time because it could have been it could have been a bad year. Yeah, it's just I mean, Goodfellas is such a good movie. Like it's like I I can't tell you how many times. Like I get what you're saying with the social impact, but I'm not saying I'm watching Goodfellas over and over. I'm watching Dance with Wolves like once in my lifetime and being like, yeah, I I did it. I'm the same way, but that's not what the Oscars are about, unfortunately. But to answer your question, yeah, big Scorsese fan. Love Goodfellas. Probably my favorite Scorsese movie. This one's right there. My hot take is this might be my favorite Oscar winning movie. Really? Like, best picture? Wow. I wouldn't have gotten that from you when I was like, hey, let's do The Departed. You're like, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. I'm feeling like Scorsese because it happened after when we were recording psycho i was like hey did you see the trailer to killers of the flower moon which mm-hmm. is coming out and you're like no and then we watched that and you're like oh man looks pretty good yeah then you're like oh all right i'm feeling a scorsese it's like let's do the departed and i know we'd been talking about shutter island for a while which i think we should circle back to when it's like spooky season yeah uh i feel like it's a that's good that's a left a good, field scorsese movie. it is a left field scorsese movie it's like it's funny. It's like a left field Scorsese, but I feel like at, if everyone played a position for Scorsese, he would be like right field. You think is Scorsese that a right, is a right field. fielder? No, I'm saying oh. that Shutter Island's coming out of right field. Yeah. It's good, but like eh, maybe not everyone hits over that way. That's true. That's true. Um, What about you? Are you, you a Scorsese fan? I am. I didn't see the Irishman. Irishman. Okay. I saw that. Uh, I just felt like at the point where I was in watching films and it came out, like I think when I was in college still or dur- was it during the pandemic? I thought it a little was bit? maybe during the pandemic. This was probably right when I graduated and I just couldn't. You weren't vibing. Yeah. I mean like it was just so long. Yeah. And so, and that's how I kind of felt with the departed. Break is it up it, though. It, it took it takes a while because yeah. a lot of the movie I love like I I do love this movie but it's a lot of building up stuff you you, mm-hmm. you got to build up and then like the last 40 minutes of this movie is like paranoia yeah craziness like when frank realizes there's a rat in his crew mm-hmm. and then he's like all of a sudden they're showing scenes of him just like whipping cocaine at a table and having yeah. some woman just like snort it up and he's like losing himself like yeah dude he looks gnarly in that scene like yeah. he looks like his, he looks like crazy like a different person almost yeah i know what you mean he's like coked out he's getting super paranoid and so like, you're saying like you don't really it like just take it just takes that. a long to it takes a lot to build up and i think that watching this movie i watched it this one for the first time I showed it to my significant other and she was like, damn, this is just a long, like, it just feels like it's, it's how much is left. Like I'm interested, but how much is left? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm kind I of think a... that with this new generation of like content consumers, it yeah. can be tough to reel people in for to sure. a long form thriller like that for sure and we've talked about this yeah for sure so i i i agree with you however 
I think there's also been the point made even by like Scorsese is yes, even though we're in like short form consumerism, we're also in a binge mm, culture. Yeah. And what's the difference between sitting down and watching three hours of a TV show and watching a three hour movie? Yeah. The only difference is that there's no like physical breaks in the movie, but that's on you, bud. Yeah. Pause the movie. Take I think a walk. that's the thing is like people like, want to be instructed told what to do yeah. and instructed. So if you have that break, I could understand. You know, what was a good answer to that is when Tarantino released hateful eight on Netflix as a four part series and it was the extended edition. So what it turned into a three hour movie then became a four hour mini series of four different parts and I, I really liked that because you still get the, you get the same content plus more of from a world class filmmaker of stuff you love. You just get more of it, and it breaks it up a little, so yeah. it's a little bit more palatable. I did like that. So I know that. what you mean. I see. So, and you're right. Like I, I binged that, even though I knew it was gonna be four hours. Like mm-hmm. it, it just seemed easier because it was like this is over now. I have to click, yeah. And like be told, all right, to keep going, you gotta click into it. It does feel weird to pause a movie and come back to it later or the next day. Mm-hmm. Like that does feel weird. I, I agree. Yeah, but and once again, it's it's nothing to say that this is a bad movie. I think that it just it takes a it takes time to tell this yeah. story mm-hmm. in the way that it should be told. It requires a lot of attention too. Yeah, which for most people, I I can understand if. You know, you're just sitting down watching a movie. You're kind of like, oh, man, we're really getting thrown into this. And there's a lot going on. And it's not like the best content and whatnot. But for me, I'm just like, I'm just a Scorsese fan. And I just love this movie. So I just eat it up. So I don't really look at it in that lens. But I do see what you mean. Like, it's not it's not the easiest movie to watch. But since I like it a lot, I, I'm biased. So I, don't, I haven't even really thought about that. The Departed directed by Martin Scorsese is based on a 2002 Hong Kong film called Infernal Affairs. Um, They ended up buying the rights to it. And then William Monaghan, who is a Boston native. Okay. Created the screenplay for it for score for Scorsese. Gotcha. So that's why the, the movie Infernal Affairs. Mm-hmm. It's so weird because I want to say internal as well. Yeah. Infernal Affairs is like the same good cop. It's a cool play. That words, works but... for a like a kingpin and then a, a okay. someone inside the like gang is also an informant. Okay. And it's like back and forth. So it's kind the of same thing. story. Yeah. Um, so Monaghan grew up in Boston and was like, mm-hmm. I can use this and write something but he didn't really want to like make the same thing he liked the idea and used a lot of the ideas and was yeah. like you know the winter hill gang from massachusetts with the winter from, hill gang winter hill gang okay um which is from south boston in massachusetts and is like the big kingpin from there was whitey bulger who was mm-hmm. a massive uh basically like crime syndicate during the uh 70s 80s and 90s okay um so he used that as inspiration for this and that's why it's set in boston and a big part of 
the inspiration for this too is that Whitey Bulger grew up with a man named um, John Connolly, if I'm correct. And he was his best friend who ended up becoming an FBI who he worked for the FBI. No way. So in turn for giving up basically information for organized crime on like Mm -hmm. the mafia side, they would turn an eye on what the Irish mob would do because there was like, basically I Whitey Bulger used his friend as a get out of jail free card. Yeah. So, and Costello was also an informant. Yes. So that's, which was a massive thing in it. So yeah, it, it's cool being from Massachusetts and having this like movie yeah. that's like kind of like a historical piece, but it's so crazy and just so dark. Like mm-hmm. there was definitely a time where you open this movie and it's just violent. You can like, you just already feel like the, there's so many racial slurs in this mm-hmm. movie that are just so insane and you you just being in south boston is probably not a great place to be you know growing up in the late 70s 80s sure 90s okay and that opening part where it's just showing a lot of violence and him being like you know frank talking about I don't want to be a person built for my environment. I want to mm-hmm. like be my, my environment to be a product of, of me. me. Yeah. yeah. That's that also just like, it's crazy. Inst- it's also just an instant introduction to his like ego. Yeah. Of like, uh, cause the movie starts with him narrating that. And you know, it's Jack Nicholson. You don't really know the character super, you don't, you don't know the character yet. Yeah. And then he says that and you're just like, oh man, okay. Like he's on kind of a power trip, but at the same time he has the power to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was a, that was a pretty, there's a lot of really good lines in the first like 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy as a crime movie. I mean, what Scorsese does with teaching you how, early on people would be picked up into this yeah and sucked into the crime industry like it happens young like i was doing research on whitey bulger okay and he started doing crimes when he was like 12 so like the young colin in this and seeing frank and getting sucked into that Mm -hmm. it's like same with uh goodfellas right Right. is like they show you have to they show Ray Liotta's character yeah. so early on getting sucked into being like... You basically have to nurture and raise them in the culture to have the... to have them on their side and to have them like act and feel the same way they do. Yeah. You can't just bring someone in from the outside. They, their morals are... They're not corrupt enough. They're not... Like, you know, kids are malleable. They, yeah, they like, don't know. Can, they don't have their values completely yeah. set. So, and if like, kids grow up with these people around them as their idols, like they want to be them, you know. Yeah, and they'll model themselves after them, and they learn from a young age. You know, you're not, you don't be a rat. Like that's the number one rule. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So, like, it makes a lot of sense to just raise them instead of uh, outsourcing or just 
you know, hiring them. Because mm. what's what's more loyal, money or family? Exactly, and that's how it's like it, you go through this movie, and he's like using the code word "dad" to it, and yeah. then at the end, when he finds out that Frank's an FBI informant, mm-hmm. he like he mentions, "Oh yeah, dad, like you've done all these murders, all this organized crime, but you don't actually have any sons," mm-hmm. which was something that I picked up on the second time I watched this because I watched it twice. I watched it once. And then I had to take notes on it again. Mm -hmm. And it was, there's so much to digest with this movie. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot to say about how, how he is a father figure in the sense of the crime family, but he doesn't have any of the values of a father really. Yeah. And also when you can't really trust any of your sons, like at a certain point you failed Mm. and also, but it's also hypocritical because he's an informant himself, even though it's to keep things like they say in the movie on an even keel. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very complex. And so that's what the thing with like, that's the thing with Whitey Bulger is I believe Mm -hmm. he, you know, used that being a rat to get to the top, but then hating rats yeah and the but hypocrisy he, that comes with it and same with frank is like but they both they did it in the calculated way like there's no way they can get a, around certain things from the law mm-hmm. but if they're able to do it in a way where they can keep doing what they're doing and take other people down i mean that's it's very two birds, one stone yeah like why not there was another line from that introduction scene with costello where he says, um, if you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? And I thought that was a pretty good illustration of essentially cops versus robbers and briefly explaining the rationale of if I'm either, if I'm going to face a loaded gun or when I face a loaded gun because this is the life they're choosing, would I rather be on the side of the law or would I rather be risking it and making money and blah, 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 and living a more dangerous, exciting life or whatever? Mm-hmm. Because essentially the way I interpreted it is he's going to face a loaded gun either way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I it's kind of like you're you're being brought up in this world. So which one would you rather have? Mm-hmm. And it's like that the, the line that got me too was like, no one gives it to you. You have to take it, mm-hmm. which he says a couple of times in the movie. And when we look at the two paths that our essential protagonist, who is Bill Costigan, mm-hmm. Leo, and our antagonist, or one of them, who is Colin, who you see early on in the movie, it seems like Bill has to do a lot more like shit shoveling and Mm -hmm. take it like work for it. Blue collar. Whereas Colin is just kind of getting it given to him since the day that he met Frank. Yeah. Frank got him that whole bag and the comics and told him to go home. And it, it seemed like Colin essentially had the mob behind him. Mm-hmm. And helped him through his life, and it was and that was Bill totally the it. whole plan of 
uh, Colin joining the the state troopers and working his way up. Like he was a smart kid. Yeah, he was smart. So, so like Frank knew exactly what he was doing, but he you're right. He has like the, the easy. He has the easy road in yeah. a way. Not saying he doesn't work hard, but he doesn't really have that survival. No, he d- he doesn't work ha- to survive like Bill does. Yeah, and like he has that white collar lifestyle yeah. in the movie, and I, I believe Matt Damon throughout the movie said that he wanted every time there was to be a fight where Colin was in it, you know, he wanted Colin to lose. So if you watch the mm. movie, he mm. he he gets a lot, but he's not really a fighter yeah he never really faces adversity until the end where he thinks he can just freely walk away from a lot of stuff and then he gets what's kind of yeah being given to him and there's yeah bill is just constantly fighting like he is training hard his family comes from a shitty family he's training to be a state police officer and then he finally gets there and it's like immediately gets they just shit on him for like the whole scene is like 10 yeah. minutes of just getting shit on. Like, mm-hmm. you're not a cop. Like, why are you even here? Do you know what we do here? My section? Sir, yes, sir. I have an idea. Whoa, sir. whoa, whoa. Let's say you have no idea and leave it at that, okay? No idea. Zip. None. If you had an idea about what we do, we would not be good at what we do, would we? We would be cunts. Are you calling us cunts? And then they just turn. They're yeah. just like, all right, he can take it or, or whatever. I guess, yeah. It's like this, we realize like why he's actually here. And then the first thing they do after he graduates is send him into prison undercover. Yeah. And he was in there for like a year. I think they said, so he said he got kicked out like four months ago when he was talking to his aunt, I think, when he went to go see his cousin. He said four, okay, so yeah. it would it'd probably I think be like, it was like three, four months, three for, or four months. Yeah, for assault. I think they gave him an okay. assault charge, but they told him, they're like, dude, you got a 1400 on your SATs. You're an astronaut, not a state police officer. Uh-huh. So they know that he's smart. So I think it shows that he's as smart as Colin is. He just didn't have the resources, the resources, the yeah. which is crazy because it's, it's just ironic that yeah. Frank is like, no one gives it to you. Take it. And this whole time, Colin is just, receiving things yeah and not really fighting for it like he just kind of runs into the girl in the elevator and just yeah you know he i mean gets he's the charming girl. like he he yeah i don't know it's tough because he he earns a lot of the stuff but it's almost presented to him on like a silver platter and yeah. i'm not i'm not saying that way about um oh what's her name vera yeah i'm not necessarily i'm not uh, saying madeline. that necessarily about like madeline but like everything else. Yeah. Question about real quick, like giving and graduation. What was in the box that Frank gave Colin? Was it I think the like cell a, phone or something? I don't, I think it was a watch. There's two times that something like this pops up that we don't get an explanation yeah. for. I think it was a watch. Okay. Um, And then, or a gun, but Who's in the box? I think he was going to get a police-issued gun, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So he wouldn't have his own gun. So I'd have to think it would be like a graduation, like a really expensive watch or something. Mm-hmm. And then later, we never really learn what was in the envelope that Costigan gave to Madeline. She just writes his name on it. And then he's like, I need to give this to you. I 
you're the only person I can trust. Right. And like in my it head, had to I'm, have been evi- like just the evidence of a piece of evidence. Yeah. But we never know. Or we, cause it was kind of a thick envelope. So it wasn't just like a letter explaining everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You never know. So Scorsese kind of leaves us on a mm-hmm. little, little, little dead end path. Yeah. I think that Scorsese wants to misdirect you a lot with a lot of things. We have a lot of screen time with Colin, what seems like with yeah. Colin, and he just seems so well put together. Mm-hmm. I, on screen, he feels like your protagonist. Right. Whereas Leo, who is actually the good guy, mm-hmm. he you does get feel screen like- time with him, but he's just doing so much shitty things that he, he feels like a protagonist, but Colin just feels more of like your protagonist than he should. I think it's just appearance. Like that's what we actually see. We see a clean cut Colin, Matt Damon as a cop. And that's a good guy. Yeah. You see a kind of beat up rugged starting to become a drug addict. Yeah. Gangbanger. And that's, that's Costigan. That's Leo. But we're seeing what they're both acting as. Yeah. So even though we have that feeling on paper, it's completely different. And once you like know the story, I know what you mean. It's just so, it's just so weird. I remember watching this when I was way too young, before I could even like really understand what the story really was. And I just I was so confused by the twists and turns. And now it's it's I think pretty clear actually once you just sit and watch it. Like if you, if you, but like I, when I was young, I didn't, I thought Matt Damon was the good guy. Yeah. If you saw the, the poster for this and And you didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Damon. If you saw the poster for this Mm -hmm. before you watched the movie and you saw DiCaprio and Matt Damon and Vera Famiglia on it between the words, who would you think was the bad guy after seeing Django and things in movies yeah. like that, right? You're gonna be right. like, Leo's sinister, he mm-hmm. looks unhinged, yeah, and it's just the opposite way around, yeah. so it, it kind of throws your mind and in then, a loop, yeah, for sure. And then there's a, I would say, a third party of Jack Nicholson, and he's really the, the evil of the movie, he's really the devil, and yeah. then Dame, Matt Damon and Leo are just caught in his web. His web of deception. Yeah. So, like, they're all just doing what they need to do to survive. And it really is Costello who's, you know, behind it all. And that's that's where it's like, I, I know Colin's the bad guy, but I really, I don't see him as, like, an evil person. And I think that's what makes this movie so dark is that he is, though. He's a criminal. He's a criminal pretending to be a cop. Uh And Leo, Bill Costigan, is a cop pretending to be a criminal Uh caught in this crime syndicate. What if the roles were reversed? Like, what if Leo was Colin and, like, as an actor? As actors, do you think that would change the perception? I don't think it would because I I don't know. To me, it's like 
they did it so well with Matt Damon being clean where he's mm-hmm. he's he doesn't play a bad guy and then he's a secret bad guy. Yeah. Like the only other movie that I've seen him do that with is Interstellar and right. that's the big twist in Interstellar is yeah. it's like oh my gosh, and it's not he's like actually... he's a main character. No, right? He kind of comes just... in midway three quarters or whatever. Yeah, and... but you always see Matt Damon as being like the guy right yeah and that's the same thing they did with i think it was once upon a time in hollywood with um i think it was henry fonda normally the good guy in that movie he's bad yeah and it like throws people off it's weird so that's a good yeah that's a good point it's a good device that someone can use and it's kind of like a one-off thing Scorsese used it, and now Matt Damon he can be a bad guy in another movie, and we wouldn't. But it feel still too catches you it. off guard, right? Like, For sure, yeah. So I don't know. It's just like if you saw Leo in that role and saw that he was a bad guy, you're like, oh, he's gonna get caught. Like I feel mm-hmm. like he can get caught, but knowing Matt Damon and the way that he plays things, and just like mm-hmm. seeing his demeanor through it, it's like this dude is always gonna fucking fly by the seat of his pants Mm -hmm. is that the phrase he's always gonna get off scot-free from all this stuff and it just kind of annoys you it's very annoying leo's being suspect the entire time that he is shit on oh my gosh he's going through so much shit he's gonna act he's gonna beat those two italian guys up he breaks his hand he infiltrates the mob by just like selling eight balls with his crackhead cousin And then he yeah. finally meets Frank and he's sucked into Frank's world. And like, he just goes through so much stuff. Whereas Colin just is like, Oh, you got a promotion. Oh, you got a promotion. Mm-hmm. Oh, here you go. You got a promotion. Right. Mm-hmm. When you think he's going to get caught, he gets a fucking promotion. Yeah. He's the whiz kid, you know, he's the wonder kid. And then Leo's over here doing all the dirty work and he's not getting dick for it. All he's going to get is a bonus Yeah, for all this. And then what he, <laughs> Do you you can't go undercover again? Are you just do you just work a desk job for the rest of your life? That's or what I'm do you get like a good position? They like said they don't pay or... like a cop, but you get a good bonus. Is that what he says? I feel like the bonus had to have been at least like a year or two salary or something like that. Yeah, there's no way. I don't know. I mean, there's take they're making it seem like you make shit money for a state cop, but I'm pretty sure you make a good amount of money as a state cop in massachusetts nowadays didn't like 30 they say grand. 30 grand i was like i don't think they make 30 grand i mean that Mass. was back in 06 yeah i mean that was like is inflation that 17 bad years ago is that right yeah i don't know man is leo's background childhood is that enough for him to sacrifice so much of his life I so I this? I think or that is... the reason I think his background is the reason he's here because they sit him down, they tell him how smart he is, mm-hmm. how the only problem he ever got in in his life from being that way was getting kicked out of Deerfield Academy, which uh, shout out one of my what good friends. It is a prestigious private school in Deerfield, Massachusetts. One of my buddies uh, lives out there. Nice. Um, And he, Leo must have gone there for, they must have sent him from 
wherever he was growing up in, in South Boston, I'm guessing like Dorchester or whatever, and sent him to Deerfield, which is on the other side of the state, Hmm. like complete opposite side of Massachusetts. Okay. And he got kicked out for beating a gym teacher or whatever. Hmm. Uh, So so, he's always had a little bit of an aggro side. He's had an aggro side, but I think that his family upbringing and then the fact that uh, Dignam Wahlberg grills him on being like, oh, yeah, how much you want to bet you're kicking it with your mom on the weekdays Mm -hmm. and then you're with your daddy, the donkey on the weekends. And when you're with your mom, you were dropping your R's. And when you came back to Southie uh, or when you came back to Southie, you were dropping your R's and you were acting like you were from Southie, but you really were never actually grew up in Boston. So I think the fact that he's able to switch back and forth from being that like prestigious life and living with his mom and escaping from his dad and his uncle Jackie being a part of South Boston. Yeah. Was the reason why they brought him in is because you can, you have family that has been a part of crime. Mm -hmm. You can act like you were there because we know that you've had a two sided life your entire life growing up. We're going to put you undercover. You're the perfect. Whereas like, yeah, Colin is not, he's just the goody, goody two shoes. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that he was a, an informant for Frank. Yeah. So he would have never been good to go undercover. Yeah. You need somebody who lived on the street or could pretend like they lived off the street and had that have, and also have that families too. Yeah. I mean, but I think where, where I struggle with not necessarily believing, but just knowing like how someone could do that is what, what's the drive? Is it monetary? Is it just because they feel it's, possibly their duty is it because they know they're perfect for the job do they do they like it do they want it and what i know it's probably different for everyone but what was it with bill i think for bill it was for the duty because like i said they said he wanted to be a cop but they're like you're not a cop Mm -hmm. you're smart you're not here we're not gonna take you as a cop you know, do you want to be out there? Do you want to pretend like you're on a TV show holding mm-hmm. a gun, have that like, oh, I'm a cop kind of prestigious thing? Or do you actually want to do something good for people? Mm-hmm. And that is going in deep and trying to kill this organized crime that's happening in the city. And so I believe that he thought it was his duty. Yeah. They, they kind of mind fucked him in that room. Yeah. And he bought it and he was good for it. But the scary part is is halfway through the movie, Dignam is saying, I can erase your file. Yeah. No one would ever know that you were a cop and we could arrest you on all of the crime that you have been associated with, which was terrifying. They have them by the balls. They do. So it's, it's a shitty, shitty position that he puts himself in. Mm Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think he believes it's his duty to help break that up. Yeah. Because he's very passionate about it. But he's also in a constant state of like, what the fuck am I here for? He's con- he's constantly in a uh, panic attack. Yeah. 
That's what Leo said is that his you describe his character as being in a 24-hour constant panic attack. God damn. And I mean you definitely start to see it for sure and he's taken oxy and he's taken Valium I think yeah. he gets from Madeline and just I think he starts to drop it too. He wasn't really drinking a anything and everything. Yeah, cuz he started with cranberry juice and then he was just down in a bottle of wine. Yeah. You know, when the I don't know, during one of the phone scenes, whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah, dude, he's like not doing good. And then he has the meeting with them and they're, and he's telling them how dangerous it is and how like he needs to get out and like, he's not going to survive this. And that's when they pull the fucking blackmail card on him. Mm-hmm. But who's going to go into that situation and at no point want out. That's what I'm saying. There's no way. I mean, the scene when he goes to see Frank, and Frank's just like eating lobster. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. They're in Frank's apartment or his house, and he's just eating lobster. And then he pulls the hand out of the bag while he's eating, and pulls the ring off of the severed ham. It's so fucked. And up. Leo's, Leo's face is just like he's so like concerned. <sighs> oh my god! And he pulls the wire off of him in the bathroom and throws it out. And he's like, "Fuck that! I'm only doing cell phone." Yeah, dude. The line in that scene when he's like. uh was it it's not Fitzy, it's uh who's his other friend? Who's his Frenchie. other Frenchie? Is it Frenchie? Frenchie is the main his right, one. It's right hand yeah. man, yeah. He's like, you know, I like that you at least asked him which hand he jerks off with. Yeah. And then cut off the other hand. <laughs> and then they take off the ring and he says something like, You think this is gonna spook her a little bit? Right. Or the wife he sends? He's like Last time I checked, she wasn't so sentimental. In a, yeah. Like, They're going to send her the ring. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> God. It's, I think there's a funny thing about Frank where he's always doing something and we rarely know what that is or if it really has much to do with the story. Like another time we see Frank unhinged is when he waddles out and he's just covered in blood. And he's kind of like he seems a little scattered brained like he just chopped up a body or something but he's like he's okay he's just trying to piece together what everything he needs to do and he calls off leo and the gang and he says basically uh we're going with like a new crew tonight and it's just like what in the world are you doing back there yeah you have no idea and then like cool thing about that is that actually did serve a purpose of him Trying to trying bait. to, yeah, yeah, bait Costello to see if Costello was the rat, depending on who he told that the night was off. But I mean, that was cool because it did serve a purpose. But at the same time, we didn't know what Frank was doing. Mm-mm. Like, and that's kind of the whole movie is you you kind of get a sense of you know what he's about, you know what's going on here. But then at the end, when you find out that, like this random scene where. Costigan is just at this like dude's house who's doing heroin. Yeah. And he gets that Frank's a FBI informant. Yeah. And all of a sudden it makes sense. Like, why isn't he getting caught? They have right. all this stuff on him, but they can't catch him and all this shit. And then when Queenan dies, you know, Matt Damon is going through his desk and they have his notes of Costello being an FBI informant. And then pictures of, I don't know if you realize, but like early on in the movie, they're, they're in the room when Damon gets 
his uh, promotion. He's Alec in Baldwin's introducing. Yeah, and he's like, "This is our FBI guy." It's they that have, like, guy. They have pictures of Frank talking to that guy. Yeah. So it's you don't you're really thrown on what Frank is actually doing mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie, which I would think if you were a crime boss and an FBI informant, you you know you're not really telling the truth to anybody. No. Your whole life is a lie. Yeah. In order to serve you. Yeah. And just be pure evil. Which, so, Scorsese apparently offered this role to, he Frank wanted. Frank Costello. Yeah, Frank Costello. He originally wanted Al Pacino. Al Pacino said. Okay. <laughs> can you, can you okay. picture that? <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he would have overplayed it. Right? He kind of probably would have been a little too over the top. Yeah. I don't know what his Boston accent would have sounded like. Ooh. Although, half, like, I would say 70% of the people in this movie have shitty Boston want, accents. But we, we, can, do... we can get into that. Okay, I got a okay. good piece of information here for awesome. you. So, it was supposed to be offered to Al Pacino. He denied it. He then gave it to Jack Nicholson, who was his second choice. And Jack was like, eh, I think it's underplayed a little bit. I don't think he's written well. Oh, okay. Uh, So then Scorsese was like, no, 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 no. I promise you, if you come on this movie, I'll let you kind of just do your thing. And you can kind of take reins of the role. So... Nicholson came into it and said, all right, fine. I've been playing a lot of comedy stuff. I want to get back into being a sinister bad Mm. guy. So Nicholson came into it wanting to be the most evil a human could ever be. Like, not even be a human, just evil. So there's scenes that they're like, he would just tell Scorsese to not tell other people that he had stuff. And they would just let Nicholson cook this entire movie. Love that. So the scene in the beginning when he shoots that woman and he's like, ah, oh, she fell funny. Yeah. Like he improvised that. Mm. He was like, just let the camera roll. And he wanted that to make the sense of like, oh, he's killed a lot of people. Right. So he knows how people fall when and they die. Even like Frenchie at that scene was like, you're fucked up. Yeah. Like, like he like he says that hell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Leo came out and said, working with Nicholson through this whole movie was life changing because he understood how good of an actor Nicholson was and how okay. crucial it is to a movie because every time he was on set with him, he never knew what he was going to do. There's mm. so many times where he just would have fear in his eyes because Nicholson was going off script, just doing random shit Yeah, during the scene about the rat when they're in the restaurant and he's, he's like drawing the rat and mm-hmm. he brings in Leo or Costigan and he's talking to him about the rat. I got this rat, this annoying, key-eating fucking rat. And it brings up questions. And he, like, hits the table and drops a gun because mm-hmm. Leo's like, I would, I would put a bullet in your head if you keep trying to say that I'm the rat. Like, Nicholson, like, hit a prop gun there and, like, hit the table and it fell. And Leo had no idea. So he, like, pulls a gun up and he's like, is there something... 
you want to say to me? Mm-hmm. And like, you can see it in Leo's face. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, this was not a part of the plan. God. And there's also the fear of like, you don't want to, you don't want to screw up a good take no. or a, a performance of someone who's has that like prestige. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to be the guy that screws that up. So no. there's fear in like that aspect too. Not just, not just as the character and what's happening. Like that's a lot of pressure. So oh, God, Jack was just cooking this whole it. movie. That's so cool. He apparently added more lines and just mm-hmm. built the character, built the character more than it, it was originally written out, uh, which was good. And it seemed like I said earlier with that Matt Damon bit about how Matt Damon wanted Colin to lose the fights that he would get in. Yeah. In the office. Uh, it seemed like Scorsese listens to a lot of his actors and when there's like, he brings in a star studded cast, but he also doesn't babysit them. He mm-hmm. says, how can, well, they're star studded for a reason. Yeah, what like, can you bring to the table to make this movie better? Yeah. I think there's a lot of behind the scenes with the actors that most people don't really, uh, think about or consider because we don't see it, but people like everyone in this cast, they, they're actors for the characters on the page, but they also help build the characters. They they create a backstory or expand expand on it on what's on paper, and like they really try to figure out the character more so than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So when they bring that to the table, like they really are that character with their own backstory that peop- no one else in the room may even know about, but they have they have that to bring to the table. It's not just reading lines. Yeah. You know, and the best actors like do that. Right. Like, that's yeah. why they're so good. It's that method acting, but like not too method. Yeah. Like Daniel day Lewis, I think probably takes it to a extreme level, mm-hmm. but if you're acting as character, have you ever seen the video of Jack Nicholson on, uh, the set of the shining where he's just like walking yeah. back and forth, just like, all well, right, Stanley, like he's getting into yeah, it. He's right? like getting like, into it. And then you just let him cook. Yeah. You just got to let him cook and let it roll. I mean, I I'm not an actor and I haven't worked with like actors or anything, but from what I've read and heard, and I feel like method actors are like fairly rare, but for the most part, yeah, it takes a second to get into character. You need to go take a walk. You need to get yelled at. You need to, take a shot you know you yeah. need like something to kind of get you there yeah it's like it's like finding your on switch you're right? essentially having two personalities like you mm-hmm. have borderline personality disorder as an actor yeah or an actress like you aren't being you mm-hmm. you aren't being your original self you are crawling into the characteristics values morals of an insanely fabricated lifestyle yeah yeah. And like you got to sell it and you got to believe what you're selling, right? And so there's a part of you that just surrenders to that character and you just become it and yeah. then you have to crawl back out and be like, "Yeah, that's not actually how things are." No. Oh. You know, I can't actually pull a gun on someone. No. And I it's can, cra- it's crazy. It could have been a a point in Leo's acting career that was like, "Oh shit." Hmm. 
I gotta I gotta step my game up because I this just is learned the next level. I just yeah, I just learned from this man here. I gotta I mean, come you're... on set and they gotta they, I gotta tell I don't even gotta tell them. I just gotta act so well that they keep it rolling. Yeah. I don't even hear a cut. I'm you're just telling going me, off. You're telling me he like didn't do that in Django. That's exactly That's what he did. Exact yeah. You can see it. He's he's got crazy in his eye. Yeah. Characters in this movie are nuts because they're so layered and they're so messed up. But it would be nothing without how good the acting is. Like mm-hmm. across the board, there's not a weak spot in this movie. Yeah. Some yeah. I mean, there's times in personally, okay, it, it's different for you <laughs> yeah. because. No, I think it's good acting across the board for a lot of stuff. What comes off for me from being yeah. from Massachusetts, like I'm not from Boston, but being from Massachusetts, you obviously hear the accent yeah. a lot. So sitting here with my Red Sox out on these, uh, there's just somewhere, I think in another Boston movie uh-huh. that has been created, the town. Okay. Yeah. They decided if someone couldn't do a good Boston accent or a good enough to pass for one, they're just not going to have one. Okay. I think that's fair. And I like that. I do too. I feel like that's the only way this movie itself probably yeah. could have been better. Okay. Is if they just did that. Like there's nothing wrong with Vera Famiga going to uh what's the other fucking prestigious Ivy League school over there? Harvard. Not Harvard cuz she's from Harvard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh MIT. I guess she wouldn't be in MIT if she was a Dartmouth. Hmm. She could have been. She could have gone to Dartmouth. She could have gone to Brown. Well, she could have gone to Harvard and not and, been. And she not gone been to, from. Yeah. But her, dude, her accent to me is so bad. It sounds like she's from New York. Oh God, you see, and that's just the. I, that's like the worst thing you want to hear from someone from for Boston. For sure, it's like a New York accent on that. For sure. I mean, the closest I can think about that is if, because like I, I come from a place where, like, there isn't really a specific accent it's just american like at least to me like it's just kind of this mishmash of a bunch of stuff i don't really know i'm not like great with that stuff however the only thing i can really relate to is if you hear like an english or an australian person which there's a lot of actors who are them do an american accent and it's not quite there and you're kind of like "Mm, a couple of words hit and you're like something's off yeah um so i can understand it but like with this movie i don't know Boston accents like they're they're all they all sound the same to me like they're all there so if I had to rank them yeah I would say Mark Wahlberg probably has the best one well isn't his authentic he is from yes yes uh then I would say Matt Damon Matt Damon has a good one so is Matt Damon's accent authentic, or authentic. is it like it's authentic? But he he's able to. It. He's from Cambridge, so which is very much Boston. Okay, uh, it's just Cambridge is like more of the. It's not South Boston. Okay. It's like a a better part. So of Boston. is South Boston I, the more traditional? Like if like, you if you go to South Boston, Boston yeah, accent? like Dorchester, okay. like a like Southie, like a a Southie is the one that you're gonna hear being like, "You think you're fucking better than me?" For looking at him across the room, okay. you give him a glance and like you, 
you're going to walk into a bar that you, if you just are not a natural be, there, yeah. you might get beat up. Okay. Some, you know, just old, <laughs> old Catholic Irish families. Before we go too far away, or is there any other notable accents so, that were like yeah, good or bad? It was, or? it was Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. Matt Damon. Yeah. Leo does an okay one. It's not terrible. In my opinion, it's like, isn't it kind of subtle? It's like it's subtle, not, it's subtle but it, it doesn't, he doesn't fuck up with it. Okay. And then Alec Baldwin. I think Alec Baldwin does an okay one. It's not great, but then again, I don't feel like he fucks up. And I'm pretty sure Alec Baldwin is literally from New York. So the fact that mm. he's doing a better one than Vera Farmiga is pretty bad. Sure. Jack Nicholson's not great. I feel like he's switching on and off from it. The only time he's doing I a feel bunch like of weird no. He does a bunch of weird. He's like voice he's like stuff. Charlie. Like he's really like, like going for it. Where he's like mosh. Like it's it feels. He rolls like, his R's a lot too. It's and, just, yeah, yeah. I, but I feel like that's also just Jack Nicholson. Like if he were to do any accent, he would still have his Jack Nicholson way of delivering things, yeah. which may not be correct for the accent, but it's just the correct way for how he talks. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like for me. I feel like Jack Nicholson gets a pass because he yeah. just says shit so weird. He does. He is just like he's a weird guy. He Jack talks weird. Nicholson. Yeah, he's very breathy. He is breathy in the uh, just the Nicholson stare. We get one of I those in that it, rat dude. scene when he's just like, "I hate that." That gnawing, gnawing. He's, he's cheese eating fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. How do you feel about Mark Wahlberg in this movie? Mark Wahlberg is my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Hands down. So fucking funny. It's insanely yeah. vulgarly. So crude. Quotable. So quotable. Just, just everything he says is fucking funny. And the way he says it. But I think the coolest part about him is he usually says that stuff. He says it with a purpose. He's not just saying it to bullshit. Like he does it to get through to someone. It's almost yeah. like him just like shooting the shit. I in mean, a that's way. that's like a that's a South Boston okay. human is. Uh, that's just how he talks. And then he you're gets a down worker, to business. You rise quick like okay. a twelve year old's dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah, I love him as a character, and I think, you know, he doesn't really have a story arc per se, but he's true to himself the whole way through and that's more you can say than like any of the other characters and he's just he has he has that incredible ending can i go through some of my favorite quotes from him let's hear him uh so obviously you're a worker you rise quick like a 12 year old's dick Mm -hmm. uh He's comes in, he's talking to Alec Baldwin and everybody. And uh, he says, Alec Baldwin talks about how shitty the undercover unit is. And he says, yeah. Fortunately, this shithole has more fucking leaks than the Iraqi Navy. Fuck yourself. I'm tired from fucking your wife. How's your mother? Good, she's tired from fucking my father. <laughs> so quick. Uh, and then I believe Colin asks him directly, Do you have any undercover undercovers in Costello's? <laughs> 
like people he's like maybe 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 not maybe go fuck yourself (laughs) it's like that's that's the most boston line i feel like you could hear i love it because like you can't ask him a question and expect any sort of semblance of a serious answer nothing and that's such a fun character to have because he's a wild card like you don't know what he's gonna say and it's and because it's all so funny you don't really care like i don't get annoyed of him no. I'm sure there's people who do. Oh, for sure. But I think he's hilarious. At no point I'm like, oh, God, this guy's such an asshole. I just think like, oh, man, this guy's funny. Yeah. Um, and then I think one of the last ones that I have is when they're doing the sting on the microchips. This is unbelievable. Who put the fucking cameras in this place? Oh, who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. That's. I mean, I'll say it right now. That's the one line from this movie I could say for the rest of my life for our, for our category. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. Since we brought it up, I have to say it. That's the one. I'm the guy who does his fucking job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> oh my God. How do you feel about Martin Sheen in this movie? I feel like he gets lost. You don't think Martin that he's Sheen's in this movie and then he's cast. He is, isn't he? But it, I think, okay. Um, I think maybe Martin Sheen's more of a weird character than he is a cast. I feel like he, he fits the character very well. The character is so different from everyone else. He's shirt tucked in, straight lace, family man, has a kid at Notre Dame, loves his wife. He's he's a good he seems like a good wholesome guy who is in a shitty difficult situation with the with the troopers, right? Mm-hmm. Like the undercover he's the captain. Unit, yeah. He's the captain and he's like still trying to be a good guy. And doing what he can to like, I think, still be a decent human being, but he had he has to deal with a lot of really shitty situations. So it's kind of like this light in the darkness. Yeah. And I think Martin Sheen does a great job because you just he just looks like a friendly dad, you know. So I think, I think he doesn't seem like he should be a captain. He's pretty chill, and uh, there's times where like. Dignum. Dignum. Yeah. Dignum. Dignum. When he kind of blackmails Leo Costigan and he said, basically says, we can erase you. And Martin, she, Captain's just there. He's he just kind of, if anything, he maybe has a little smile on his face. Yeah. And it's like, what? So do you think that he was working with Costello at the end? Because uh. they bring that up a little bit and it, it's a little shady. That he, you don't hear him hmm. working on anything about Costello being an FBI informant, and then they follow him, and everything goes that way. There's so much paranoia at the end here. Sorry, I know I asked you a question, but there's so much paranoia that mm-hmm. that Scorsese brings. You just you don't know who's who at the end. Here. I feel like people maybe know a little bit more than they lead on, but there's nothing they can do about it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the captain knew Costello was an FBI informant. But what's he going to do about it? He can't. So he has to take him down in like another way or something. Yeah. I don't know. And it's so hard because he's just constantly being tipped off, but it's like Leo is in the car. You have all this information. Why can't we just take him down? Like I'm I'm fucking out here in the streets, losing my mind. And he's like, we got to build up a case. You know, it takes time, Mm -hmm. but you go back and watch it and you feel like he, He's pussyfooting around it a little bit. He has to be. I mean, like Leo said, he murdered a guy. 
that's what 25 to life yeah. right there yeah i mean i guess if you don't have the hard evidence like i don't know if leo didn't see it but like he's being told i don't know like i don't know enough about the law to really answer that but yeah like at least that part of the question but going back to the first part of if captain was with in with Costello. I don't think so. I feel like there was just maybe some of that, like he's untouchable. Don't touch him. But I don't know if he had much direct contact with him. Yeah. Uh, but there is that scene where captain and Digman Dignam like talk to Costello. Hello, Francis. And they yeah. know, they, they, they know, know each know other him. like on a first name basis. Yeah. You know, in a way, but like they all know each other. And then he's basically like, you're never going to catch me in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's how that conversation goes. But that's a super weird scene because what are they trying to get out of that? It is. I don't why, know. Why would they even try Is it to showing talk to that him? they're surveilling him at that moment? Because yeah. there's not much other than like Mark Wahlberg just still just flaming hot. I can't wait to wipe that fucking smirk off your face. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just. Yeah. I don't really it's know. It's kind of weird because if they were in some sort of cahoots that would have been a good scene to show that mm-hmm. but ah. jack's hair is just so crazy in that scene he's cra- his hair's pretty crazy in this whole movie if you watch yeah, it like, it's, it's all over the place it's, it's up left right he's looking all crazy it fits the character just wild how, how do you feel about dignum do you like him? Do you think he's annoying? Do Dignam you... is good. I mean, we need him in this movie because you're right. You kind of get this good cop, bad cop attitude from Queenan and Dignam. That's true. Like, yeah, you, we do I get feel that. like the whole movie you hear Queenan and Dignam. Both, it's like, it's, it's like yeah. yin and yang is what you're hearing, mm-hmm. essentially. And then finally, yeah. Queenan's death, which is crazy like i remember the first time i watched it i was like whoa yeah i i didn't even realize it was him that got Mm. thrown off the fucking roof he's just like up there you can tell he's like the fbi is fucked or whatever he's like lighting a cigarette like he's you can tell he's like he probably looked into and realized that they can't get costello yeah and then he gets thrown off that fucking roof man and it just sprays all over Leo's God, face. Dude, just like when Leo like jumps and takes a step, a step back, back because it's, you can tell in, something in his falling. peripheral from above. Like the timing was perfect. Yeah. It's just like, holy shit. I was, I was realizing that the second time I watched it was how real that is. Cause like mm. you can tell like he's flinches basically. And yeah. then something falls mm-hmm. and it was just an entire body. And then it's just like, hisses blood yeah. at his fucking head yeah it's like oh dude fuck. and they run over the body on the escape they do <laughs> i i wasn't sure but i kind of thought but I, I guess that confirms it Is it your... honestly would have almost been better if they didn't show him mm. falling for that split second yeah. and just had something fall right in front Can of you imagine leo i feel like that I that would have been like, is that too effed up? Or I think something? it's too fucked up. Scorsese did say that this movie brought him to uh, moral ground zero. He felt that it was very dark and that it was taking a lot of toll on like his morality as a filmmaker. Okay. Yeah, and he was very surprised that he won an Oscar for it because mm-hmm. he was like, people liked this. This was insanely dark. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> uh, but 
Queenan and Dignam. I like that. I like what they did with Dignam. They they toss him once Queenan's dead. Yeah. Two weeks with pay. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite lines in the movie. I don't know why he says it that way. Gosh, yeah. He's just so pissed at him, but it's also like with pay. Yeah. Like it's, he says it so aggressive. You could say without pay yeah. with pay with pay. Take it. You need Dignam to leave. I like his character. I like how they I make agree. him yeah. leave. It's perfect to have that ending the way they did. Yeah. And you you need to let Colin and Costigan cook. You need to let them be to not have someone over their shoulder yeah. In a way, like, because they're both without Dignam and freaking Captain. Leo doesn't have that guidance, and Damon doesn't have that other side of the force battling him. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like free reign. Yeah. So it, it, it's perfect for a climax. I think throughout this whole movie, you have this unstoppable force meets an immovable object and from the moment they show both of these guys almost from the moment where colin gets the job in the uh detective agency and he walks out and costigan's right behind him but Mm -hmm. he doesn't look at him Mm -hmm. and then he goes off and he's just like flirting with the girl and walks Mm -hmm. away he doesn't even know that Bill Costigan is is right there, mm-hmm. even, and he's looking for him this whole movie. So it's like a symbol. I feel like it was a, a symbol that the answer was right under his nose the entire time, and he could just never get to it, even though he was always like right there. Mm-hmm. And so from that moment, like I said, it's just a unstoppable force meets an immovable object, and then we get that like rooftop. Mm-hmm that that meeting at the rooftop but yeah. there's so much more between there like right mm-hmm. you you get the the anticipation of him calling the phone and costigan answering and not answer like not mm-hmm. answering they're both just breathing like on phone the phone tag, yeah and then finally they get they meet up and he's like oh yeah i'm gonna take care of your records and he goes and he like deletes his records mm-hmm. and then he comes out and he he rem- uh, Costigan sees the citizen um, envelope. envelope on yeah. his desk and he understands. And so there's just so much building up and you, you, the, it's crazy that it's not until the last 30 minutes of this movie that you let them cook. As I was watching this movie, I was a little daunted by how much content there is. Cause Scorsese has, this way of making movies where he packs everything in so tightly and it's the way he edits, tells the story and all that stuff that it just, it's a lot to like bring in. There's so much that's a lot to digest the whole movie and it's like constant. So as I was watching this, I was like, how are we even going to begin to talk about this movie? Cause I've, if we really wanted to touch on everything, we'd have to go scene by scene and it'd be like a 10 part. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's just too much. A, so like a four hour podcast, like I, we could probably have a whole podcast on just the phone scenes and what they do with just the cell phones. Like 
that's crazy. A red Everything phone they do. and a blue phone and all and this like, stuff. And, and like Matt Damon not using his phone during the interrogation because the caller ID would have been there, you know? And like, I was just like, oh my God. It's just so, there's just so much. There's so much to break down. Yeah. Do, do you know anything about the X's that Scorsese uses throughout the movie? Oh, uh, yeah. Like symbolizes death. Yeah. Like you'll see an X before there's a death. Yeah. yeah. Or like anyone who's near an X. Will die. Will die. Yeah. Mm. I feel they call that a director's tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I learned that on like a studio tour, um, and they were saying how a director's tell in Godfather is when anyone has oranges mm-hmm. or is buying orange. So that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's easy to get away with too, if like just graffiti or yeah, what whatever. What was the purpose? Like, obviously, later we get to see the envelope on Colin's desk. But what was, like, the purpose of citizen? Citizens and, like, crossed out. Yeah, why? Know? No, because Fitz, Fitzy's just a Fitzy's, dumbass. Yeah, he's just being a goober, and he's writing citizens. But, like, why is he writing citizens? Was he just trying to, like, spell citizens? And, like, I don't know. He's using that as the piece of paper? Yeah. Or was he saying, like, why would you put that on an envelope of like everyone's contact or like personal information? I have no yeah, idea. It makes it, I don't. I don't get it either. And yeah, and I best may, maybe to make it easily accessible. But then I looked up later too. I guess there's an X on it, so everyone yeah. who passed around the envelope died. died. Okay, it could have been any word. I don't think the word really means anything. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Fitzy's Mosh Farm. <laughs> oh, God. Does it come with an accent? No, God, no. <laughs> I'm not drunk you enough for that. You want to try it? Fitzy's provides the thickest, deepest, and guaranteed, most waterlogged moshes in the greater Boston area. <laughs> Fitzy's Marsh Farm is perfect for storing your valuables and secrets because our marshes are so thick thick and deep your items will never surface or move once you dump it it's buried nobody is going to find it especially the cops you probably won't even be able to find it again our marshes are huge we have so many marshes and it all looks the same stop by fitzy's marsh farm open 24 7 just pump and dump at fitzy's marsh farm What? what what are they doing now? Uh they're dumping bodies. They, they're, they're, <laughs> pumping and, they're pumping and dumping. Do they pump they pumping are they pumping and dumping a day? Dude, or? I don't know what they're doing at Fitzy's Mosh Farm. A dump a day keeps There's the so many pump marshes. away. A pump a day keeps the dump away. Uh <laughs> This pod is brought to you by Jimmy Bags Dental. <laughs> are you an undercover cop that's been embedded in an organized crime ring with stretches? Fuck. <laughs> this pod is brought to you by Jimmy Bags Dental. Are you an undercover cop that's embedded in an organized crime ring which stresses you to smoke three packs a day? Are your teeth all gross and yellow? And on instance of being pistol whipped before they fall out, 
Have you been pistol whipped and your teeth have fucking fall out all over the floor? <laughs> Come to Jimmy Bags' dental work and get your teeth reboned. I mean, redone. <laughs> Thanks to the funding from Costello's Lend a Hand program, we all have state-of-the-art tools and technology to turn your rotten teeth into some pearly whites. So come to Jimmy Bag's Dental down by the marsh where the guy from John Hancock gets a blowjob during lunchtime. Bag it. <laughs> Very nice. How and when did we find out Jimmy Bags was a cop? That was when Dignum and Queenan were under the bridge talking to Costigan saying and you hit Jimmy Bags, he's undercover for us, and an informant, we could put you in jail for that. Oh, right. That was part of their, like, black... Scare tactic, okay. yeah. Right, okay. Also, before we yeah. get into anything else, Delahunt. That was my other big question when I said we were talking about some stuff that was unanswered. He's a cop. Is he actually, though? I think he is. Because apart from what we hear on the news... Which Frank does make a good point of that's just what they're saying, so we stop looking for the rat. But do we hear from anywhere else or see any other sign of him like officially being a cop? No. Okay. But But you think he is? I think he is because at the end, so this is my theory. Yeah. And this is gonna I'm going to need you to pull me back because I'm about to go deep into the mosh. I got you. I'm about to get deep, going deep in deeper the mosh. than Delahunt's body was. At the end of the movie, we find out that Colin's buddy was also a part of right. Frank's crew who he had in the state troopers, which is crazy. And throughout mm-hmm. the movie... There's certain times where they mention Frank's operation and he gets a little like squirmy. The friend does? The friend does. Okay. So during the um, micro tri- microchip sting, mm-hmm. he looks a little uh, disgruntled, the same as Colin does. But uh, their other cop buddy is just like, oh, what's going on here? I thought this was ours. You can kind of see it in his eyes. He gets a little squirmy. Okay. So there's a couple of other times that he kind of, you know, gets that way. A little apprehensive. A little apprehensive. And so in my mind, if they're giving us this illusion that Frank had multiple people in the troopers and the police, I think that they had a couple of people within the crime ring. Yeah. And yeah, Delahunt may not have been the person to think. He was there when they threw Queen in off the... He may not have been the one to do it. But he was there. Um, and it's tough because he gets shot. Mm-hmm. But he, he it's that whole scene where he's like, you know, you if you're a movie person and you're listening to detail, he you know said, you're at 344 Walsh. He says 314 Washington. Yeah. Which is completely different. Mm-hmm. And then Leo shows up. But I feel like he would have probably confronted him at that moment because they were like, we got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he would have brought it up in the car. He would have brought it up. He would have brought it up. Yeah. And I know he gets shot, but I feel like if he was dying on that couch, he would have been like, 
he's the rat. He's right. the rat. He wouldn't have just died on the couch. Right. And then he goes, I told you the wrong address. Mm-hmm. Tell me why I didn't tell people. Yeah. Tell me why I didn't say anything. And I yeah. think that was him confessing, like, I'm undercover. Yeah. Tell me why I didn't say anything. Like, I am on your side. So yeah. make sure you get this job done. Because mm-hmm. he, like, grabs him. Yeah. It's pretty personal. Like, and we don't have that with Delahunt before then. So it is kind of like a, it does seem like a cop to cop duty type yeah, of thing. Because think of it, if Fitzy's shot and he's on the couch, mm-hmm. he's going to be like, this guy's a fucking rat. Yeah. And then die. That's yeah. going to be his dying last words. Mm-hmm. Delahunt's like, tell me why I didn't tell anybody. Right? Yeah. Fuck, dude. So in my mind, he was undercover as well. I agree. I just wanted to hear your rationale. Yeah. Yeah. That it gets so messy there at the end. And it's also because when he's telling Leo that, like when he tells him the address and then Leo still shows up, people, someone said he's never late mm-hmm. and he was this time. But, and you couldn't argue because he went to the wrong address because it probably was like way too far away right like mm-hmm. 314 wash like a different street altogether yeah, in a city yeah so there's just no there's no way around it but delahunt was the only one that knew mm-hmm. that do you think delahunt said the wrong address on purpose to keep leo away from there i think or i think to, to see if he would show up i think to find out if he was also an informer okay. on his own yeah i don't think he would have brought it up but I yeah. think maybe he would have went up to Costigan later and been like, I told you the fucking wrong address. Yeah. You know, and then right. pro- probably wrote a pride out of him, but wouldn't have told on him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. The the loyalty and who's a cop in this movie is almost as confusing as Matt Damon's impotence. Dude, he... He can't get a boner and he just like overcompensates when like (laughs) when alec baldwin's golfing and they're talking about like work working hard working or whatever he's like oh it's over it's work it's It's overtime it's working it's working overtime buddy yeah and there's a couple times where he really leans into like oh yeah i'm having sex i fuck and uh it's like no you don't oh dude there's a scene where He's talk. Damon's talking to Nicholson in, on the patio over the phone, and then Jack Nicholson's you like, "Do you like pretty little yeah, Miss little Things, things sucking, on, sucking your on your cock?" And then Matt Damon's like, "Yes, yes, I do." He's <laughs> <laughs> just so like sincere about it. We didn't even talk about Costello dying and how that That's all right. happened. That's right. So like we can briefly cover this, but like, how did that happen? Like. He, they right, were I got doing. You. I got you. They Sorry. were doing a drug pickup, pickup, mm-hmm. right? And Damon, they had a tail on them. Damon called the tail off, which is one of the funniest fucking mm-hmm. scenes in this movie. Get so, rid of the fucking tail. They're not going to be very subtle from now on. That's what I've been trying to tell you. So get rid of them. There's no need for you to go yourself, Frank. Get rid of the fucking tail. I'm a Fucking rats. It's wearing me thin. 
Martin Scorsese is probably the only director that I know who will play a song multiple times mm. in a movie. And this movie is guilty of that twice. They yeah. start with Gimme Shelter and then they play it later, which is a kind of a weird time for them to play Gimme Shelter. Mm-hmm. It's when Colin and Madeline are like moving in together and flirting and it's yeah. just like in the background. And then they start comfortably numb. The Departed. No, no, no. Oh. They start The Departed when they send Cossack into jail with, oh, I'm shipping right. up to Boston. Right. And then later when they go on the drug thing, yeah, they're playing, I'm shipping up to Boston. And this song is the one of the most Boston songs ever to the point where I just want to make sure people know <laughs> what they're saying. So the literally the first four lines, I will I will say the first five lines. <laughs> I'm a sailor peg, and I lost my leg. Climbing up the top sails, I lost my leg. I'm shipping up to Boston. They repeat that. I'm shipping up to Boston. I'm shipping off. To find my wooden leg. That is all that song is about. <laughs> Which when I was younger and I heard that song, I'm always like, Boston sports teams, yeah. And then I'm like, I used to thought it was so funny. It was like, I'm a sailor peg. Yeah. And I lost my leg. Whoa. Climbing up the top sails. And his fucking leg got ripped off. <laughs> Tell me that's not blue collar. <laughs> anyway. So sorry. So in he that calls off the tail in that scene, they're just playing that song so loud. It's just, and then all of a sudden he's like, "You got a tail on you," and he just screams at him, and it cuts it the music. Cut. I want you to cut the music hard. Yeah, literally hard cut of the music, and then yells at him to get rid of the tail. Yeah, continue. Sorry, I just thought it was. A, it's a very abrupt music stop, and then it goes back and to it. it. Kind of turns to like, oh fuck, like. It was almost. It was in like, the back, just like it was almost like, oh man, like Costello's losing it a little, and that's a little scary because it's almost like he's getting either annoyed or scared, and ah, you didn't really see that much throughout the movie, so it's like, oh, you know, you don't want to see him being little, upset, a little unhinged, and then they gosh. show up. So I I kind of forget exactly the series of events, but there they are able to tip off where they're going to be. Leo yes. tips off where the drug pickups, gonna where they're going to be. And Matt right? Damon realizes that Frank is an informant. So he lets it roll. Yeah. He calls off the tail, but he just, yeah, he, he just sees he, what happens. Yeah. And, and right when the cops pull up, Leo dips. He's like, I got to go. That's so eerie because they show up and it's so silent. Yeah. All the, all the cruisers, that scene where all the cruisers come up and none of the lights are on is like kind of a horror movie. It's like Michael Myers, like walking across the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, massive shootout. Everyone so crazy. It's so quick. Dude. Frenchie getting shot. He's like, Oh, fuck this. And he shoots it. Dude. That's crazy. That is a, that's a, his death reminds me of um, Tom. 
I can't think of his last name, the actor in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore getting shot where he's just like still shooting, but he just uh-huh. gets shot so much. And then finally he's just like dead there. Yeah. It kind of reminds me that he's like, same vibes. I've been shot. Stop. And just fucking Frank gets that guy's up, getting dude, shot. Frank's barrel roll. <laughs> yeah. But he like gets shot and then he runs and he does like a hop and jump over. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, he calls Colin. And they kind of both find out that there's like animosity there. And especially with Colin basically accusing him of being an informant. Mm-hmm. And Costello's not going to, he's not going to let that fly. He's, no. It's like one of his biggest secrets. So he's going to kill Damon. Whoever, and yeah. then he tries to sneakily do it under his jacket. And then just, David just pops him and he gets, he gets scared and he just <laughs> unloads on him. Dude unloads on him. And then he dies. Oh, he dies in a, uh, like a, a, a Christ like manner. Yeah. He has his hands out like Christ. Uh, and so, then all of a sudden, it's so anticlimactic. He's like, I got him. Yeah. I got, I got him. Costello over here. That reminds me of one of the quotes for some reason because obviously alec baldwin's there um at the end but it reminds me of one of alec baldwin's quotes that's very funny where when they're doing the sting operation they don't know that it's going to happen alec baldwin walks by colin to go outside hey i'm sorry to get you the last minute but things leak this lead came from queen is undercover guy i'm gonna have a smoke right now you want to smoke you don't smoke do you right what do you want all those fitness freaks huh go fuck yourself he says it so fast <laughs> they're all just jacked dude <laughs> just, just high t this is a high t movie it is a high yeah it's a high t movie it's like high t grabbing your balls looking at the there's other guy a lot the of eye, the, just there's a couple times grabbing balls yeah no ticky no laundry <laughs> Dude, that in whole, this country, this whole scene, dude, is so racist. It's so crazy. Uh, uh, but that's just—I'm not condoning it. But that's the way that obviously that the Irish mafia was doing shit. The ultimate showdown between Costigan and Colin, Bill, as you may, some call him William Bill Jr. versus Colin. Bill versus Colin. Billiam. Uh, he he gets him on the rooftop, mm-hmm. doing his citizen's arrest. Yeah, which is kind of funny. What is this? A fucking citizen's arrest? Yeah, it's like, yeah, dude, you're done. And then you get into the elevator. Obviously, well, the another cop comes up. Yeah. I forget his name, but he was the one that was was in, in... the academy with Leo. So yeah. like they knew him, and he's like, you know me. I promise you. This guy's yeah. fucked up, and he doesn't shoot. He finally gets into the into the. Um, he backs them back, and any like, any time I see the back padding of that mm, elevator, I know. it just it it's hurts. like scarred in my brain. It just hurts, man. It does, and in the elevator, like it's pretty intense when Sullivan is like, just fucking kill me man like he just surrenders for a second yeah, and it's like just fucking holy kill me. shit and he's like i am killing you yeah dude oh dude that i watched this with my girlfriend and she i mean there's a lot of jaw-dropping moments throughout the movie when you're yeah. like oh shit he's a cop oh shit he's an informant oh yeah. fuck like oh my god dude i think that leo's death in this movie 
is probably the most upsetting death in a movie that yeah. I have seen. It's also one of the most shocking deaths and unexpected. Like it just comes out of nowhere. Like I, yeah, ugh. I watched the, I, so the first time I fully watched this movie, because I obviously had the song shipping up to Boston um, and it had the departed poster on for it when you, you know? Yeah. Um, so the first time I watched that scene was on YouTube and I'm sad. It was before I watched the whole movie. So mm. I saw it coming oh. when I watched it, but the first time I watched it fully was uh, in college and like, I don't know, freshman year in an English class. And we were writing about symbolism and stuff. And it just, dude, it's just so like gut wrenching. I, I was You're just, just going to say that. Like, it's such a kick to the fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like, finally you're like, someone's going to get this. Guy. Right. And then you're just defeated. Like who else, who, what other person could actually get this guy in like a satisfying way? Cause he, he then they like, shoot, they what? shoot the other guy. You get the reveal that his buddy that he went through the Academy yeah. was, was working for Frank. He's like, who do you think you're the only guy Costello had? It's you and me now. Yeah. He's an FBI informant. And then yeah. he shoots him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on record being like, this guy shot him. There was a brawl. I just want to put it on record that I was going to give uh, William Costigan the Medal of Merit. Yeah. Which I'm like, shut the fuck. I hate when he says that. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that ending is, I feel like you can see when he gets out of the elevator, mm-hmm. he uh, he tries to go like, touch that the dog, dog and the and dog's not even vibing like, fuck and... that guy yeah uh what wait but so before the the full ending here yeah a big plot story here that we kind of skip over is vera famiga and leo yes hooking up which is the most awkward hookup of all it makes me feel so awkward it's a little weird but like i think that comes around i think it's nice Do, is that it's, his baby it's that's what i'm saying that's his whose baby. baby is that you're telling me it's it's solely can't get it keep it up it's baby no it's no. big whose baby is it's that? fucking leo she's crying at that funeral like that's leo's baby yeah that's leo's baby and Le- leo was watching it with my girlfriend of, and she's yeah. there she's like her baby daddy's dead. Yeah. Like she knew. Yeah. Baby daddy is dead. Yeah. And she walks by Colin and he's like, what about the baby? Doesn't give a fuck. Walks Just right not even him. a passy glance. Nothing. No. And uh, Leo gives her all the evidence because Costello had boxes of tapes because he was an informant, you know, all this stuff. So yeah. it kind of wraps that up nicely. At the very least, she could... Oh, wow. Right? Sorry, I'm just putting this together. I didn't realize you're right. It was Costello because he said Costello trusted him the most, right? So he yeah. gave Costello's him lawyer gave Costigan all of the evidence, oh, just man. handed it over to the cops, essentially. Yeah. God, you see, there's just so much shit in this movie that is just... It's yeah, insane. It's crazy. It's, it's like, so... the story itself is just so... <laughs> dense yeah and there's so much cool shit that happens i mean it hits but it I, on the nose cool. at, at the know. last scene yeah when you walk in and dignum's right there it, it kind of makes you laugh yeah he's just he right silly there. like he, he's, he's a wearing track a tracksuit with booties and gloves <laughs> and he's pissed dude dude i bet he took an upper decker 
in Colin's bathroom. No DNA. No. Just, he yeah. can't do that. <laughs> That's so funny. Just an upper decker. He does like <laughs> just to spite him. He's not even gonna see it. But yeah, I think it goes from Leo's one of the most shocking, gut wrenching deaths in movie history to minutes later one of the most satisfying movie deaths. Mm-hmm. And they're both headshots. Just boom. Ah, oh, dude, right dude. through the cheek and just ah. Oh. It's satisfying, but Leo's is, I would say Leo's is more devastating than Collins is satisfying. Yeah, I would agree. You're a little depressed. Oh, I would agree. And you like, you're still depressed. And then you're just like, all for fucking what? For a rat to run across the top screen. Yeah. It's like now everyone's just dead. Mm -hmm. Game over. Like now Dignam just runs free. No. Yeah, dude, what's Dignam doing? Going back to work. Two weeks with pay. That was during his two weeks, I bet you. Yeah. He was getting paid getting for that. paid for that. He got paid for that. He got paid by the state for that. Yes, he did. Love that. Should we go into categories? We shall. Um, so I, I said my one quote, which is the, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was one quote I would like to say for the rest of my life. Mine um, was... Uh, when it's it's from when Colin and Costello are on the phone, and he's uh, talking about Colin says he's gonna do your best, and Costello says your best. You think we're in the fucking haberdashery business? I don't know why. If you whip it's that out one. in casual conversation when someone says they're doing their best, that is very that would be hilarious. Yeah, it would be so. <laughs> like what's the last what's the time you said haberdashery I don't in know. any normal sense, that's what i'm just, saying it's so ridiculous that's ah, great um do you have a review for it yeah i said uh this movie invites you into a criminal underbelly that keeps you engaged with a great cast pacing and intense story nice we're getting better at this what'd you say i said it's incredible to think of all the Scorsese movies, this is where he got his Oscar for Best Director. With that being said, this movie is a brilliant good cop, bad cop, collide in a world full of crime, betrayal, and paranoia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a scale from A to Z, what would you rate this movie? An R. Four. A gnawing, cheese-eating fucking rat. Oh, yeah. You? An M for maybe, maybe not. Maybe go fuck yourself. Uh, All right. Are we doing the Grant one item? Yeah. What would you you take? I said Colin's townhouse that overlooks. <laughs> Motherfucker, that's not an item. <laughs> I want the whole thing. <laughs> what the? Oh, I want it. You know that was fake? Like that place doesn't exist? Probably, yeah. I think they said like it was kind of just like either a green screen or a matte painting, but essentially it was. it's not like an actual place. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because okay. beautiful... what's that building? That's like the capital of Boston. Yeah, it's a cool building. It's the state house. I want Leo's black bow socks hat. Yeah, dude. I'm not much of like a baseball hat unless it's kind of like the official cap or colors, mm-hmm. but there's something about that hat that's like, I could just throw that on and 
do something yeah bad. his outfit at the end where he has these like baggy jeans and like his white air force ones and yeah. a sweatshirt on i was like i wish he had his socks hat on right there because he would have been just insane he should have been on the roof smoking a cigarette just he would have just with his socks hat backwards just ripping dots it could have fallen off and during the tussle yeah you know and then he can still have the clean head shot in the in the elevator mm-hmm. all right two fictional awards for this I said it has the best pacing award. Okay. I, I'm i a big fan of Scorsese's style of editing, um, blending music, and quick cuts. Yeah. Um, not necessarily for every movie, but I think for Scorsese specifically, it's perfect for his stories because they are all so dense, and a lot of them happen over the course of a long period of time. So you need to keep the story moving and engaging especially for how long his movies are yeah and i just think this is just right there like wolf of wall street is would actually probably be a little bit better in that regard but i'll just say for now like that was one of them okay uh the next was my best ensemble acting award yeah i mean there's a lot of gems here and i i retract a little because of what you've said with the with the boston accents but i would say not necessarily like the best cast but the best like just overall acting like everyone worked well together i believed all the characters there wasn't anyone i was like ooh, that was kind of like poorly delivered but again i don't have that like sense of a boston accent i think acting wise they all did a really good job i mm-hmm. just think with the accent they could have just, just so lost in they it. could have just done better sure. like they should have just been like this person isn't from boston it's hard yeah. to give jack nicholson that role and be like he's not from boston because they're supposed to represent whitey bulger and he grew up in southie right mm. he's supposed to come up from poverty sure uh so i just got i just get lost in this movie i don't know if there, there's something about it that i just i don't know i just believe it all like it just it just hits all right, what were yours? I have You Think You're Better Than Me award for the most go-fuck-yourself chirps <laughs> in a film. <laughs> I love that. And just so many of them. So unique. Um, and then I have Cat Got Your Tongue award for worst try in an accent in a movie. And that goes Bummer. to Vera Farmiga. I'm sorry. Was this like her first big movie? No, I think she had a good movie. And I like Vera Farmiga. I like her in her other roles and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I just wish they did the thing in the town with the girl where they're like, she's not from Boston. Yeah. Uh, in case of emergency, break uh, four, who's your pick? In an emergency? Uh-huh. I'm picking Dignum. Dude, me too. He's going to get the shit done, and he he's, is. he might get a little heated, but he's still going to be pretty level-headed about it. You know who I'm and not he's going to be on your side, Sullivan, because he's going to shoot you in the back of the head. Yeah, he, probably because he, first of all, if a guy can't get a boner I don't in a, <laughs> an emergency I can't trust a guy who thing can't like get that. a boner. If you can't get rock hard in a moment of desperation, you can't land that plane. If you can't Ooh. steer... <laughs> the plane <laughs> with your uh, boner. <laughs> I don't want you here. Um, yeah, I agree. Dignum 
I, and it would be hilarious because even if not, he's just gonna yell at you the entire time. I'm at least accident. gonna it's die gonna laughing. So funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Drinking game. Cheers. Let's play a game, just me and you. You want to drink? Drink to your leg. I drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink our legs. <laughs> Don't be such a square. Everybody who's anybody drinks. I drink your milkshake. Why is the run gone? What would be so? Hair of the dog that bit me. Bourbon on the rocks. That'll do her. All right. So the official movie feeders drinking game is rule one. Take a sip when someone says rat. Rule two. Take a sip when someone uses a cell phone. Rule three. Take a sip when Leo and Damon are on the screen together. So when uh, Colin and Costigan are both on the screen. Rule four, take a sip when Costello draws. Mm -hmm. And then rule five, finish your drink when Queenan gets thrown off the roof and dies. It's a pretty hard one. Pour one out for the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Pour one on down the ground ground so hard. He hits the ground so hard, just sprays in Leo's face. You got to drink the spray. Yeah. Drink the spray. Closing closing remarts. I love this. Remarts. I love this movie. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And um, I just love it. I think it's so good. Um, I still kind of think it's maybe like my favorite Oscar winner. Wow! I looked through that's the big. list. I feel like that's big. I or I mean, I mean, like best picture winner. Yeah. Like I looked through the list, and I don't know, man. It's up there. Mm-hmm. It's tough because um, a lot of good movies aren't best picture winners. Yeah. That's just the way it is. It's just like if you're looking at like the however many hundred, I don't know, was it 80 or something? Mm-hmm. I saw I mean, this like, um, I saw this fact that said this movie and one other movie are the only foreign films to be adapted into or written into American culture oh. to win best film. And the other winner was Coda from a year yeah. ago. I didn't know that was... I guess it was adapted from a different. Another, oh, wow. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like a foreign film. I thought it was too. Crazy. But... Well, Parasite was in mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. Cool. You closing thoughts? Um. Yeah. I think without this movie, we maybe don't get a performance of Leo as Candy in Django, which is mm-hmm. a great film and a great villain and uh i think that this movie i don't know man it's it's so dark and so twisted and it just it it's a good movie but it just it kind of leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth like no you're not super happy unless you really like scorsese if you're just a regular film watcher you're like oh man right it's not a it's not a happy movie for sure you got to be in the right mood to watch it and i don't know i feel like i'm past the feel bad after watching yeah you're just kind of numb to it you're comfortably numb comfortably numb I also think this is one of Nicholson's last great roles. Like, it is. I don't really I know what he's done much after this. And he went out with a bang if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, so I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got another Nicholson villain. 